0: The number to the Veterans Crisis Hotline is 1 800 273 8255. Or you can text them at 838 255. He's kind of crazy. She's a little insane. Keeping Kennedy really messes with his brain. One is divorced, the other's husband is dead. That's why it's so messed up in the head. It's a Silver Linings Playcast. Oh yeah. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Silver Linings Playcast. As far as I know, it is the only podcast solely devoted to talking about Silver Linings Playbook, the movie, and the Silver Linings Playbook, the book. I'm your host, Jamie Ward. Um, I am super down, but uh, we're gonna try to not do a non-episode. This. This week it really sucks because I was so uh, happy and excited last week uh, for the episode. And this week I really don't want to be doing this, but I probably have to. Part of the reason. Let's talk about. Uh, it's not. It's not the worst reason. Um, I guess I'm just experiencing a lot of firsthand feelings, kind of like the first act of the movie Silver Linings Playbook. It's a great movie. I love it. Check it out. I'm not even sure I can watch it. Long story short. Uh, uh, yeah, my girlfriend broke up with me. That's fine. Um, that is, but let's discuss this for a second. That's not exactly where a lot of these feelings come from. That is really shitty, and I'm very upset about that. We've we've been talking a little, nothing really happens. She just wanted out. And I can respect all that. And here's the thing. I'm really not even upset about that. I'm a little set of how it went down. It was very sudden, but but um the 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 honest truth is I probably got into the relationship too quickly. I was not doing well before four I got it how many canceled episodes did I have I was getting myself together and I leapt into something with somebody that I knew uh was crazy not that it was a crazy idea that was not um I should have kept it lighter could have been fun hopefully we're gonna continue to be friends but uh that's not I don't also mean to discuss it that much because I don't want to be disrespectful to the situation I'm not trying to belittle it or make it. It's not important. Uh, let's take these things back a couple years. Um, I've always dealt with uh, problems. I, I hate I hate saying uh, mental health issues because I think it is a totally overdone. Thing. Here's the thing. People, people have them. They're real. They're out there. It's not important to me to define why I'm feeling. Uh, too many, um, I don't want to say too many people, because I'm not really speaking for people. I want to say in, in my philosophical understanding of how the world works, I think it is more important for us to focus on how do we feel than an analytic reading of how we feel. Um, we need to focus on how we feel and the specific condition or symptoms or syndromes that we're suffering from can help. But it really only helps if knowing what it is, if you are going to seek help, if you are going to find the clinical research and the, the medical-backed science to say, hey, people with this condition uh, often suffer from this. These are some tried-and-true techniques that may lessen the effect or help you through them. How many of us like to go get diagnosed and then... Uh, just spit in the face of science and saying, well, okay, but I'm not going to do anything about it. I'm not saying that's not your right, and I'm not saying that some people aren't probably best to deal with it that way, but me personally, I'm not helped by giving a name to something that I'm not willing to do anything about. That just makes me focus on uh, what stereotypes and and tropes I should be feeding into more so and I don't want to do that for myself. So I have <laughs> that all that being said, I've probably been suffering from PTSD for the last decade and over. Um and so is if anybody has listened to last year's episodes, I say last year like there wasn't the only year that this podcast has been in existence. I guess we're over that cuz we're at 70 episodes now. But um Yeah. I had a rough lot of the year. I go up and down a lot. I'm definitely affected by different things. So here, but, but a lot of it, uh, keeps going back. When I did talk to a therapist, I went, I think about, I believe four years ago and six years ago, uh, I went to talk about PTSD from coming back from Afghanistan and the trauma that I experienced over there, and she really wanted to get into my adoption and really wanted to talk to me about some of those things as well. She let, she gave me a, plenty of sessions where we talked about the incidents that I experienced, but then really thought that it would be helpful to get into that other stuff and suggested medication, and that's when I quit. <laughs> so that's why it doesn't really matter what I have, because I didn't care to do anything about it. We'll just say I've been suffering from sad for the last long time. It comes with different things, and if anybody else is suffering from all those things, I I have all the sympathy and empathy with you in the world. It sucks, it does. Um. So today, I texted the Veterans Crisis Hotline. I hate doing that. I don't, I've done that twice. Uh, I texted them at eight, three, eight, two, five, five. It was a confidential service, which is now not confidential because I'm talking about it. And we talked for about a half an hour and they did some of the basic stuff and they wanted to sign me up for the, uh, actual VA mental health care programs. And I, I went through this before earlier this year in January too, and I didn't follow up I'm really gonna try to follow up with them this time and take their calls but and 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 so I'll say what sort of the the red herring in all this situation is to think that um yes it does it does hurt it is sort of uh a, a catalyst to go through a breakup and have that really hurt your your soul and your confidence and like all the things you feel about yourself but really, when I try to think of it objectively, like I said, I was going through a really tough time prior and I really might have just used that relationship as a distraction from dealing with my own issues um, because I was not looking for it. I was not actually there, uh, you know, um, we didn't meet with this intention of, Hey, I'm trying to get back out on the market and date people. No, we just found each other to be, uh, terribly toxic, traumatized people that enjoyed, um, uh, not taking things too seriously, uh, in the beginning. And then we just r- romanced for a while. Uh, so it did, it totally got my mind off. Cause I'm one of those people that like, I can feel like I am at the depths of everything. And if, if one of my friends, I care about people, all people, humanity, there's different love. Uh, check out check out the episode, I'll look it up later, but uh, one, uh, probably around 26-ish, um, maybe in the 30s or 40s, um, where we, we talked about the different kinds of, of love there are. There are seven plus one different kinds of love, according to the Greeks, I think. And I definitely have huge amounts of the, the love for humanity and people and all people and i want them to be well so it's always a priority that even if i feel self destructive and like i'm going underwater if somebody comes to me for help they become the absolute priority and i would do anything even and and i don't even feel hypocritical at the point i often feel hypocritical afterwards because i'm like oh i was trying to keep them alive and make them you know do all the right things and and get better and then as soon as that crisis is averted, I go back to, to suffering all the same things, my exact self, the same way, the same way. So I understand it and I get it uh, so much from all the other people. So I was distracting myself and, and to have that little spark that lights the fire of like, oh, your emotions are going to be hurt this week. And then you don't have that to focus on and you start focusing on the pain and then you look back and then all of this other stuff starts cascading down. That was always there just sitting in reserve right behind the door that you weren't thinking about. So let's throw a couple other things on there too. I'm working with with two of my former translators, one of them I'm trying to get out of Afghanistan and one of them I'm, I, is here, fortunately, and I'm very happy for him. He's been here for a couple of years, but his, his family is stuck overseas and they have their visas approved, but they're waiting to get flights out. And I have been working very hard uh, most days. I put in some efforts. I've, I've put in uh, emails and calls to senators and congresspeople's offices. I've signed them up for different organizations. I'm not saying any of this to brag. I'm saying this because it is important to do, and it is what I've been focusing on. And also, the heartbreaking part about this is that not a lot seems to be getting done. I, I say that. Um, I am not going to criticize anybody on this. I'm not a political person. I am just disappointed right now that the state department's sort of blanket response is that they send automatic automated emails that say we are not responding to individual cases information on this uh if you are the the visa seeker you can ask about the pro, the, the, the status of your thing but it, it's not super helpful um and that that comes uh, as responses that I got from congressional inquiries from the from from the politicians offices I have tried to get in contact with the Department of State and the offices got into contact too, and they all got the same automated response and then then my translator talked to the Senator's office for a little while, and we just we keep running into roadblocks and so it's really disheartening because uh, I keep getting text every day from my translator who's like, "Can you please help me? Can you call these people can go and and I keep doing it, and every day nothing. Nothing happens, and I know it's not going to be fast because the 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 visa process was never fast, and the evacuation process is very slow, but the, here's the thing like he doesn't understand that, and i don't understand where he is right i i'm I'm sitting here comfortable in my office studio right now, and he's in Afghanistan, and he's afraid of the Taliban knocking on his door and look because they're looking for for people that are worked with the u s Um, I'm worried about that too. That's why I've done a lot of things that I'm uncomfortable doing to try to help him. And when I say things I'm uncomfortable doing, uh, this, this is like one of my symptoms that I suffer from. I'm not good at talking on the phone. I've made about the bare minimum phone calls that I can in the last 10 years. I, I have a problem communicating with people when I can't see their facial expressions. It makes me very uncomfortable. The, the ringing of a phone uh, just sends me into an absolute panic. And and it's very difficult. It's one of the reasons I texted the crisis hotline this afternoon. Um, I texted them because <laughs> I am afraid to make calls. That's a very hard thing to even admit, too. I pretend like I could make calls all the way ever. I am, I'm an adult, and I have a very difficult time making calls. Some of the only calls I've made is when I've had absolutely necessary uh calls when I used to work for the military uh if if I have had um career related things uh a couple times like I talked to a manager a couple years ago who was interested in representing me and eventually didn't probably because I was the kind of person that uh, had to do like two practice phone calls with myself before I dialed them and then Probably messed up that actual interview anyway, I talked to the crisis counselor this afternoon, and they were very kind i mean it's not it's 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 a really great service because it's something it's not uh that robust it's sort of, it's it's a band aid they're you know they say if you're in if you're in a dangerous crisis you need to call nine one one um if you know they're the, the crisis hotline is really there to try to convince you to get into the VA's actual programs. It is totally free to veterans, to people that are... Gonna, um, I don't know this for a fact, but I would 100% guess this. If you are not a veteran and you can't think of the civilian crisis hotlines uh, at the moment, you are welcome to contact the veterans one. Tell them you're you're not a veteran. They will probably... Transfer or give you the number to what you need to actually talk to. And I'm glad they started this texting service because I think they've they found that people can be a lot more honest and open. Sometimes, like like more millennials, Gen Zers, and stuff are more comfortable texting than calling. Uh, unfortunately, I'm probably gonna have to take a call sometime actually because the VA keeps trying to call me. They've still been trying to call me from the first time that they called the hotline. Back in January, which yes, was after I broke up in January. Actually, no, no, it wasn't after it was dirt. It was kind of on the day. It was actually kind of the, okay, I'm not here to talk about drama. Um, I'm here to talk about, I guess that I am in the first act of my story of my middle age cuz let's talk about my, my 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 favorite movie for a second how does it open it happens with with pat getting out of uh a mental institution because he went crazy uh trying trying to get back with his ex-wife or i guess trying to fight with um the guy she was cheating on him with and so anyway I uh, what's it? I'm nothing bad has happened to me. Like there's there's no there's no tragic event that has has that triggered what happened that happened. It was just a thing. It's just people being people, and I'm fine with that, and I can respect that. But but now I like I said I have this overwhelming guilt and depression from all these things that were, are affecting me. And I've also, um, you know, had a, had a tough time cause, cause my circle of friends has now the number hasn't decreased, but we've all just, as you get older, um, I started comedy when I was in, in my mid twenties and like half my friends were just out of college or stuff. And we were all trying to be comics and we could spend every night till two o'clock in the morning, hanging out at pizza places after comedy shows. And we were there for each other 24 seven, but we also didn't need anything. Now I'm in my 10 years after mid twenties and we're, we're adults. I mean, I might be the only one who's not, I'm putting all my effort and resources into having a podcast about silver linings playbook while one of my best friends, is yeah just took just took a new position or a raise at his his corporate uh job where he's in you know in the media department and doing awesome things with uh that um i have one of my best friends moved recently to seattle he got a promotion and you know he's looking at picking like he's his hobby is becoming extra work he's and i'm so proud of that and i think it's awesome and i can't wait but also too i um he was the first person that when when I was heartbroken, I was like, I think maybe I've been putting off seeing him. He's been asking me to come hang out. I'm gonna see if I could just go go out there as soon as possible. And I called him or and and he's like, dude, um not one hundred percent the best time. And and I I know. I am 100% respect that. And I do not want to make anything difficult for him. And I was, there was part of me that was always expecting this is how it would happen. Right? Because like I said, we are progressing in our lives. He has adult responsibilities and he's trying to do awesome things for himself. Um, and I am the only one that has like the amount of free time and flexibility that I do. Um, so that's cool. And I'm not saying that's not going to happen, but we definitely there. It's not, uh, it wasn't that easy. Boom. Hey, I'm making a, a six hour notice, 12 hour drive for a cheeseburger and 12 hours back. I've lost a lot of partners for doing that. Um, my other best friend, uh, recently just moved to Oklahoma city. He's not going to be there forever, but you know, he, he is getting a really cool government job and could end up anywhere after he gets back. I hope to see him soon. He'll be back in about a month or so. Um, but he's also busy too because it's like he's back in school. We used to to talk all the time. Um, actually, not as much as I, I always remember, but we also spent a lot of time on the road and now he's doing stuff. Um, you know, and I'm I'm talking about like the the guys that I hung out with daily here. Um, I'm not meaning to go through the whole list of all the people that are. I'm just saying every, uh, people are more distant. Now I have a whole bunch of, of buddies that are all over the place. Um, uh, New York, Florida, Las Vegas, Thailand. My, my friends from Atlanta have moved to all of those places. So it's, Um, yeah, uh, like, man, do you know one of, um, so this is definitely one of the more lonely, um, times to be going through all of these things too, because now I'm going to say that, um, um, Everything is not terrible because guess what? Uh, Things I I don't want to over exaggerate that everything is terrible. Some, some things are awesome. I've had friends that have moved back to Atlanta. I have a friend that moved back from Charlotte recently. Uh, And I am so happy for the changes he's made for himself in life I actually interviewed him about three episodes ago. Uh, and his band. goes by David Christ and, um, he actually, uh, called me this afternoon to, to check on me. Um, I'm going to say that like I'm, I'm not being babysit sad. And, uh, also I didn't get the call. Uh, I've been having weird phone issues. Let's talk about the phone issues I've been having for a second. That'll be a distraction from, uh, hopefully this is comical. All right. So I had been spending a lot of my time in Alabama and I have an old iPhone seven. That's they're on the 13 right now. So you can understand the general generational, uh, distance of my phone and current technology. Right. But that's fine. I keep my phones until they don't work. Well, just so happened it decided to stop working the the wi-fi cut out so i could not get wi-fi at all i could make cellular calls but um the place i was staying in alabama uh did not have cell reception it could only connect to wi-fi which was fine until the wi-fi went out so if in, so essentially i had a phone where i could not get in contact with anybody even when I came back, any time that I was out of cell range, it would not work. Wouldn't text, wouldn't make calls, nothing. So while I was in Alabama, I bought myself a cheap Walmart phone, uh, trying to hold myself over until I could save up enough money to get an upgraded iPhone again. I was operating on a totally different number, but this because it was super cheap, I didn't pay for a robust Wi-Fi service, so I only had access to cellular service. So I was carrying around two phones: one for if I was in Wi-Fi connection, one if I was in cellular connection. Neither of them worked great any of the places I went, so there were. It was totally possible that I wasn't uh, able to use either of them, even when they said they were connected. And then I was operating on two different numbers too. And I eventually never really gave out that second number. Anyway, I came back and after doing several factory resets to my phone, I did one more because I was like, I I had done it like three times and erased everything, reset it. Finally, it's working again. So now I do actually have a regular phone for the time being, knock on wood, but we'll see. I have to get through another month with it. Um then hopefully we will be in upgrade territory. Anyway, I did use that Wi-Fi technology today to text the Crisis Hotline, which is very tough for people to do sometimes and to admit about it. And I have to say it helped a little. It helped to talk to somebody who was who was objective, somebody who whose job it is to be supportive and not judge the things I say. Um... And I become I've I've been getting more comfortable with the idea of using that service. It's something that I've been putting off for decades. January was the first time I ever used it. And there's probably times that I could have really used it prior. Uh and hopefully I won't have to use it many more times. But I I did. And I'm glad it worked. Um and they set up an appointment for me to talk to more specific things so now so I'm I'm just saying uh, here's the crazy thing it's how depressed and down I can be and still sort of crazily optimistic is it time for me to read a farewell to arms should I read the bell jar again those are the two things Pat was reading in the book and the movie he actually I mean he gets upset at a farewell to arms he throws it out the window and he's like why can't a guy have a happy ending and I think that that's the weird thing this is one thing I've never tried to say that I saw myself in that character at all but maybe in this one moment, there is a part of me that does as much as I'm hurt and as much as I feel like, oh, nothing will ever be good. <laughs> and I've tried my hardest to be good in life. And like, I just, uh, I fail at everything I do. I, I, I want to give up. I do. I like every part of me wants to. And yet there's some part of me that is so, so strong. I, I can't, or maybe it's so weak that I can't. Uh, But for some reason, I can't. I mean, I can try. I can take days off. I can take weeks off of being depressed and getting off of social media and disappearing and not answering calls or something. But, like, you know, there's, there's, there's something that saves me from just ending everything because it's like, maybe... Maybe next time, even though in the moment I don't feel like there is ever going to be a next time. And I'm talking about multiple things. I'm talking about career things. I'm talking about relationship things. I'm talking about family things, personal happiness things that I, you know, I feel like I fail at all of those things. And yet I will also feel like it's, it's here's the best thing I can say. It's the best part of my perspective. I don't feel that I'm cursed. I feel like I've been unlucky with some things I feel like I've been unfortunate with some things (laughs) But just because I feel like I've experienced a lot of bad things I don't think that that means good doesn't exist It might be rare It might be very hard to achieve And find I don't even want to get into the topic of, of deserving If that's a thing If it does, I don't know I could probably do several episodes trying to waste, uh, way my positive versus negative karma. And I'll tell you in the mindset I'm in right now, I feel negative and I feel like, oh, I don't deserve happiness at all, but I still believe it's out there. I believe it's a thing. I don't believe that depression. I don't believe the failure. I don't believe the disappointment is a foregone conclusion for anybody. Yes, I do know that there is, is tragedy. I think there are spe- is some people that will go their whole lives and nothing will swing their way. Sometimes I feel that way. Uh, our specific inability to experience things does not mean those things are not true and those things don't exist. And that's the, that's the excelsior in me. And so I'm giving some serious treatment uh thought to getting treatment through the v a program um, I'm considering anything they have to offer. I'm not sure what that is if that's going back to just talk to their counselors' groups in or out patient uh problems, and I'm really trying to convince myself to do it even if even if I start to feel better even if I make life changes that get my head out of this for the moment, because I I know that I'm smart enough analytically to know that even if I'm, that there's a difference from my, my feelings in the moment of how I'm feeling and how I'm doing. And sometimes I'm feeling great even when I'm not doing well. I think we can all be fooled by that. But if you find yourself in that moment where you're doing great, take that initiative and that time to, help yourself prepare for the next time fix yourself so that you are ready to handle your own problems and so that's what i'm really trying to keep myself on track for doing this time even how i am right now we're we're into this and my voice is, I can already hear a difference in my own voice talking because I'm talking through my thoughts and I'm giving myself a shot right now to not focus on the things, which is weird. Even though this whole episode I've thrown away to like focusing on the negative things that were happening and I was feeling talking through some of this, even to myself somehow is a little bit, getting me out of where I was. So we had the phone thing and we had our 70 episodes. I tell you, um, I talked about having the, the best birthday ever. (laughs) Oh, and then two days later, not the best post birthday ever. It's okay. Here's the thing. Because something doesn't end well does not does not make what was good about it worse. Okay? I hate how positively I can talk to myself. I probably, okay, one of those conditions that I probably don't want to get diagnosed, I probably don't want to get myself diagnosed because one of them would probably be, hey, you are a little bit of a narcissist. Why? Because when I hear myself through my own headset, talking through my microphone, imagining that a billion people are listening and caring to every word I have to say, I suddenly get way more positive. I find my, it's like it's like I'm giving myself the advice now. Do you remember when I was talking at the beginning of this episode about how I will drop my own depression to try to help intervene in my friend's crises when I hear myself talking to myself out loud, not just in my head, but verbally. It's almost like I'm treating myself. It's almost like I'm saying, hey, here's all the things that you need to know and do. And I'm able to talk way more positively Out loud, verbally. Maybe that's a technique. I don't know. If you ever get sad, try that, maybe. Speak into a microphone. Pretend like you're talking to other people uh, and talk to yourself in a headset so that you can hear yourself. Partially because I talk slower than I think. And that allows me to focus on saying kind words to myself like I am right now. When you're only in your head, the thoughts can swirl. And there's room for them to get distracted and there's room for them to get cloudy. And then and that's how you get into the spirals of negativity. I can't tell you how fast negative thoughts can build in your head, right? Everybody probably knows what I'm talking about. You have that one little kernel of, Oh, this isn't so great. And that can, can just, uh, multiply so quickly into nothing's ever going to be good enough. Everything is terrible. But when you are talking to yourself, you keep yourself more focused, you keep yourself more on track and you don't have time to deviate from what you plan to say as much, right? You still could. If I said the wrong thing, I could probably take myself down a whole different path, but I'm trying not to do that now. So that's a good technique that I've learned to figure out. One of the funny things I lied to the veterans crisis counselor about one thing. They always end the calls by asking what is your safety plan for what you were going to work on tonight to just try to help focus on not having your negative thoughts. I guess I should have said podcast, but what I said was, uh, I'm going to lie to you. I'm probably going to read a good book. And the person laughed and said, you don't have to lie to me. Is that what you're going to do? And I said, no, in all honesty, I'm probably just gonna lay in bed for twelve hours and be sad. Try not to text my ex and they laughed and said that's that's a start um what you watching anything and i said i I lied about this too, but I didn't tell them I was lying about it. I said I was watching five hundred days of summer, which And I was making a joke. I was like, I hate myself. So I'm watching 500 days of summer. Have you guys ever watched 500 days of summer? Oh, never watch. I watched 500 days of summer after my last breakup. And well, let me just tell you, it is not a silver linings playbook. It is like a silver linings playbook. If you want to be, um, not sad. No, no, not happy. Uh, it is a good movie, but it is not the kind of movie I should ever watch. And, and the counselor or the the hotline attendant said, well, you know, if, if watching things like this are not good for you, you should probably try to avoid things like that. Um and so I probably am. I don't need to be... I'll, I'll tell you things that I don't need to be watching, but do. Uh, I watched Gone Girl recently again. I watched Gone Girl pretty close to the last break. Maybe I need to stop watching Gone Girl. Uh, I really, like that movie not actually that it's like it's not that i like that movie like it's such a good movie it's probably it's a it's a fine movie i think i'm just interested because it's just another genre of movie that was a popular book that got turned into a movie and i'm interested in adaptations and you all know that i like movies that are books that are movies that are books that are movies but and then i watched you season three which is also probably another thing that i shouldn't be watching. I don't know what I should be watching. Maybe I shouldn't be watching anything. I turned on my streaming services and Netflix and and Silver Linux Playbook keeps throwing itself in my face and I don't ooh um I'm going to be honest. I really hope I didn't ruin this movie for myself. Uh do you know what that would be like if I ruined this mo- but so I'm not even I'm not going to talk about it right now. I'm going to give it a while. I'm going to not watch it tonight, even, even though I can't, I, I don't feel like I could right now, but I think if I just give some distance to silver linings playbook, uh, I will be able to preserve my ability to watch it in the future. <sighs> this, this is a thing I never thought about till this moment. I mean, I did think I didn't, this is one of those things you discover when you talk out loud to yourself. I had been thinking about it. I had been like, when I saw it pop up, I was like, I should watch this, right? That's my favorite movie. And then I, I just couldn't bring myself to. I was like, I don't want to click on it. I don't feel like I'm in the mood for it. And now that I'm talking about it, I'm like, "Ooh, very dangerous thing I did to myself. Very dangerous choice. Maybe... I'm going to try something, and we're going to see if this kills me. It can still be a date if you order raisin, man. Hmm. Yeah, just not. We're going to drop. So this is going to be weird for the next couple weeks. Uh, I feel like the only thing I can't talk about is Silver Linings Playbook. What a plot twist, right? My love for it and my wanting to, to keep it this important thing to me means that I need to not watch Silver Linings playbook right now. So I don't lose it forever. I need to not anchor it to bad memories. Not that there's a billion bad, just, just difficult memories to think about. I think I can talk about it. I think I can because I have already a little bit we've started, we started on it. I talked about, and I didn't feel anything wrong with that. I didn't think that was a little bit of the, the just, um, sympathizing with the moments. But I, I think the problem is I don't want to watch the happy ending right now. I've been watching a lot of psychological thrillers. Um, I watched, uh, but, and, and I hate it because psychological thrillers are always such, such like, it's very hard to make good ones. You know what I'm going to watch tonight? The game. I, I, I love that movie. I watch it every couple years. Like I give myself long enough to sort of forget some of it. It'll never have the impact it did the first time, but it's a pretty good movie. But I watched, let's see. I watched, um, uh, Oh, this all started when I watched this, the new escape room movie, escape room tournament of champions. And it was not great, but like I said, people are so critical about thrillers. It's very hard to make a good thriller. Cause you have to be, perfect you have to be so far ahead of the audience and then also like have this leave them enough clues that they feel okay like you've made like you weren't just hoodwinking them right like you weren't just pulling the wool over their eyes like you weren't just idioms that um you know it, the enough clues so the writing choices feel valid uh like you didn't just make up stuff but complex enough they can't guess the whole way. So that's that's what, um, and I'll just say, uh, so So, Escape Room Tournament of Champions was a little disappointing on that level. I kind of like the first one. It was fine. There's there's sort of like, uh, I think, PG-13 Saw movies. So it's sort of like got the same intensity, but oh, probably should not watch. That. Actually, no, I didn't have any problems with it. Now, there's a problem I thought I came up with when I was saying it, but I guess because they don't really resemble actual escape rooms. It's more like trap rooms, so not a problem. Um, let's see. I watched uh, today. I, this was this was a fine one. I watched uh, The Belko Experiment, which I'd never heard of that, but I looked up a list of, of some good escape survival thrillers, and it was one of the ones recommended. I wasn't... I wasn't disappointed watching it, but it's also one that like I don't feel the need to ever watch again. It wasn't it wasn't an ending where it's like oh what happened? No, it, but but you 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 get some tension, so I enjoyed that. Uh, I watched a movie called Unknown. I think it was a 2017 movie. It's sort of like a a more mainstream Reservoir Dogs. Uh, five, not to be mistaken with there's there's a bunch of movies called Unknown, but I watched the one that I. I'm thinking off the top of my head was 2017. Um, it has uh, Jim Caviezel is one of the main characters. Uh, there's, there's, I don't remember the names of all the other people, but it's like, it's, it's a pretty good cast. Oh, Joe Pantleone Pantaleone. Is it Pantaleon? Joe Pant, uh, Joe Pants is in it. Um, it's got a very good cast. It's pretty well done. I think it, it, it the, I think if there's one problem, it's just the, pacing it's one of those movies where like if they had cut out fifteen minutes and just tightened it up a little bit it would it would be great because it's very straightforward it's like reservoir dogs if you take away the formatting that made reservoir dogs so good. Um let's see what else did I watch? I watched the first half of the Hunger Games. Uh, I watched a Squid Game. I watched that weeks ago though. Uh, uh, but I really I enjoyed it. It was fine. I watched Alice in Borderland months ago. Apparently, nobody had, had watched that, and now that Squid Game became popular, people are watching Alice in Borderland, which I'm happy about because I thought that was a pretty fun show. I liked it better than than Squid Game. Um, I want to watch a movie called... Uh, the, the. I believe it's called Will of the Gods? Or As the... As the Will of the Gods. I'm not sure. It's a 2005 Japanese film, I believe, by director Takashi Miki, who does oh, some really good horror films. And it is supposed to be a movie that's basically like Squid Game, but just in one movie. But it's, but sort of more original. Not more original, but just the thing is, I think Squid Game hit hit Americans because they don't watch as much asian cinema but if people watch anime and live action japanese and korean films you'd be more familiar with 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 those kind of things so it's, it so squid game wasn't like super groundbreaking in in anything new it was just presented to american audiences that aren't familiar with eastern cinema in uh, a very palatable way and they probably felt the familiarity of, Oh, this is kind of like the hunger games. This is kind of like the hunt. This is kind of like the most dangerous game genre of, of movies like battle Royale sort of being, I think the, um, I don't know, like the milestone movie of the genre, even though it's not the first. Cause like, I, I don't actually even know what the first is. Uh, of like surviving the game genre of things. I mean, the I earlier this year, last year when I was, or when I was getting into classic literature, I read the short story, the most dangerous game, which is basically, uh, it's the earliest version I know of this story about people hunting people. But I think, uh, battle Royale really is sort of like the quintessential example of modern day cinema for, Oh, we're going to put all these people in a, contest where they all have to kill each other until there's one victor. Um and it was done pretty well. I mean, I think I haven't watched it in a long time. It's probably dated. It's probably sort of campy and and uh weirdly Asian in its way. But I remember watching it the first time and thinking it it was great and it had the impact that it should have. And that's probably all I need to remember of that. Like I said, I watched uh You Let's see, I watched um something else just crossed my mind that I I wanted to say I watched, but I can't think of because my memory's not firing on all cylinders right now. Um as good as it should. But uh oh, yeah, I know um not the Saws. I didn't I enjoyed the Saws. I watched one of the Purge films. They're fine, like they're they're just sort of action movies, I think. At first. Um, but I I don't really think they serve really as great thriller thrillers because there's some interesting ethical questions that they raise sometimes. What did I watch? I watched something else that was interesting and surprising, but I don't think it was this genre. Um, what was it? I started watching the the Sopranos movie, The Saints of New Jersey, or something. Everybody said it was terrible. Uh, I'm I'm only like 15 minutes into it, but and I wasn't I wasn't super loving it, but I was wasn't super hating it either. Oh, I watched the Fear Street films. I thought those were a lot of fun. Pretty good, pretty good horror films um, that sort of were like self referential new. I watched the the Witch. Actually, I guess I I watched that. Uh watched that uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh in Alabama. But it was still a good movie. I enjoyed that. Why was it? I just wa- It doesn't matter when I watch it. I'll think of it later. If I can't think of it now, it's not important. Well anyway, this is this is probably enough. If you guys have any recommendations of things I should watch, I'm really into psychological thrillers. And that kind of thing. Oh, the movie I was looking for, I've watched it before, but I haven't seen it in a long time. I wanted to watch exam. Uh, I've, I've, so some of my, this is the thing. A lot of these movies are, are, considered garbage because, okay. So one of my favorite sort of like trap survival films, cube, uh, cube. I can't, I can't tell if cube is a good movie or a bad movie, but I love it. It's compelling. It's really interesting. There was three cubes, cube, hypercube and cube zero. The the first one is the only good one. They may all be terrible, but I think the first one is a really good one. Um, yeah. So anyway, I don't know. I'm gonna try to try to get some sleep because I haven't been sleeping well. Or I'm, I'm probably not though. Anyway, guys, I think I hope everybody else is doing well, and I do want to talk to everybody soon. And I really, I hope you guys are doing well. I do. Thanks thanks for tuning in. Hopefully I'll be doing better next week. But if not, my goal is just to do next week. Thanks for tuning in. This is Silver Lines Playcast. You're only, as far as I know, it's the only podcast solely devoted to, you know, the spiel. All right, guys. Until next time, we'll see you down the road and excelsior. He's kind of crazy. She's a little insane. Keeping Kenny G really messes with his brain. One is divorced, the other's husband is dead. That's why it's so messed up in the head. It's a silver linings play cast. Oh, yeah.